You are listening to Committed, an ongoing conversation about marriage, intimacy, relationships, and sex. <laughs> so the entire thing was sabotaged by you? Pretty you're much, saying? yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, there's... There's like a, there's a, a Venn diagram. There's like an overlap between infidelity and non-monogamy. I guess if you understand, if you believe in what you know, the book Sex at Dawn said, and which is like heavily pushing towards non-monogamy, of course, but also the biological component of sex and sexual diversity and why it's such a favorable thing in human relationships. Um, I mean, I can I can see why there's a slippery slope between infidelity and non-monogamy. Um, especially because if you are in a relationship and you do not want to be faithful, you're going to be non-monogamous. So it's like, Hey, down the door, open the door. I'm, I'm being non-monogamous, even if the other person doesn't know. Mm -hmm. And this is where, when you just said kind of going into it, wanting to be non-monogamous or not. No, no. I'm just talking about flat out, flat out cheating. Okay, yeah. I think you said something that caught my attention, though, that was like sort of – I I think – I can't remember the exact phrase that you just used, but something about kind of going into it, not fully committing to monogamy, like believing that maybe non-monogamy is something that could be fun type thing. No. And I, I think what that brought up in me is that when – unless you're in California, like we talked about on our last episode, I think that a lot slash most people go into it thinking that they will be monogamous with their partner because relationships are highly romanticized and they are Disney-esque, especially in the beginning, finding my one true love and then I will never need anyone else. Mm, and so I just think bullshit. that people- it, Such a, yeah, such absolutely a beautiful is. bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> it is so beautiful I mean, and captivating. It's a great story. I love the story. We all grew up with Disney, but how delusional must you be to think that you are going to find one person on this planet of 8 billion humans who is your perfect match and they're going to be your best friend. They're going to be the best sex of your life. They're going to be co-parents with you. They're going to be your personal therapist or whatever. They're going to be your adventure buddy. Like, good luck. I mean, if you find that person, uh, I salute you. But the mathematical probability just doesn't make any sense to me. It's tough because society really endorses this idea, though, although it's not reality at all, as we both know. Right. Even parents forget, right? I'm, I'm For whatever reason, I have this vision in my head of two parents and their their child is getting married and they're like, oh, you two are so in love. And they really endorse this and push this on us. Society does as a whole, right? Like, oh, even if it wasn't perfect for me, well, now my child has found the perfect person and it's going to be different for them and or it's going to be different for me the second time around. Like, finally, I have found that person. I think there's lots of um, pressure that comes with it. And I things also haven't changed much over time in the movies. 
like we're not depicting anything else for the most part. Like there's some stuff here and there, but it is kind of looked at as very outlandish and like, oh, we watch this, but you know, it's one of those interesting, it's actually so interesting. I don't know why this just came to mind, but when I first had my experience with coaching was when I was actually coached by my my previous life coach and she had brought up to me very randomly that she had, and maybe it was on her podcast, maybe it was through social media. I don't think that it was through our sessions, but somehow I found out that she had a non-monogamous relationship with her husband who she's very committed to. She had a very healthy relationship with, has a very healthy relationship with. I just haven't been in touch with her in a few years now, but she, they both had partners outside of their relationship, sexual partners that they experienced sexual um, encounters with. And that's what the relationship was. I think there was an emotional component to it as well, but there were certain boundaries that they built around it. And I, my, my draw, my draw, my jaw dropped to the floor. Honestly, I, when I found out and I just had so many questions because it was my first like introduction to non-monogamy and I did not know what to do with it. So, but for fear that this episode is going to become an episode again on non-monogamy, I do want to bring us back to our topic of infidelity and the reason that we are recording this episode, even though we did air infidelity part one, which was really about non-monogamy, we want to talk about infidelity because it's very important. It's very common. And I think that or what I've seen is that on my TikTok, I've had so many followers comment, you know, nope, done, you're dead to me, we're broken up. It's a huge boundary that I have if their partner cheats on them. And I have made a good handful, I believe, of videos around how some relationships and partnerships choose to go on a healing path despite experiencing infidelity at some point or another. And so I really have stressed in those videos that you can heal, you have to want to, you both have to want to. And there's certain um, details around this, I guess, that are really important to be present if you want to heal from infidelity and stay in your partnership. So we're really talking about partnerships that are monogamous. You can uh, use this, and this can be applicable to partnerships that are non-monogamous if you already have a solid plan and boundaries in place, and then one partner breaks those boundaries, you could still utilize this in those situations. It may look a little different, but you can absolutely still utilize it because cheating does happen in non-monogamous relationships. If we sure. have an agreement that this is how we're going to do things and one partner goes outside of that agreement, say, you know, our agreement is that we are only having physical intimacy with other people 
and it's one person at a time and one person each at a time. And then say I have two girlfriends instead of the one that I said, you know, I was I was willing or I was, you know, committing to focus on only one person and I'm now focusing on two. That might be an example of a way that I broke our agreement and we might have to do some healing around that. The healing could look the same. Obviously, there would be some nuances to it potentially, but yeah, questions or thoughts? Yeah. Where do we start? I mean, you've got, we've established that this is infidelity, which can apply to both monogamy and non-monogamy. And we're assuming that the two primary partners in this relationship wish wish to stay together, wish to repair um, that infidelity and carry on. So what do we do? What's the first step? So the first step I think is typically for people reaching out to a professional. There are some partnerships, I suppose, where you can heal on your own together in your relationship. I really don't advise it because if you've gotten to the point where one partner has gone outside of the relationship and there have been um, commitments that have been broken, secrets that have been um, used to hide certain things that it would be really helpful to enlist a professional. But the very, very first thing is both people have to want to heal from it and stay together, right? Like I do work with people where one person is not yet on board and then that person decides to come on board at a later time. And I can start working with the first partner. And I do do that a lot. It's very challenging, though, for the one partner to be working and have the other one not. Because often it's that partner wanting to draw their other partner back in and wanting to force them in a codependent way oftentimes to re-engage and sometimes that partner is just so far gone, they they feel so ashamed of themselves in some cases that they can't even re-engage with the conversation and come to grips with what they've done because they feel this immense amount of shame about it. And they're like, I've ruined my relationship with this choice that I've made and I can't go back. So I do see that quite often. But if both partners are at the point where they're coming to the table and they both have the intention of working on it, um, the first thing that I really start with is like, how do we want to discuss this? Like, So the partner who has been cheated on, we kind of have to decide at the moment, do you want all the details of this infidelity or not? Because there's a choice, right? Some people want to say, I need to know everything right? Like for me, if someone cheated on me, in order for me to ever forgive them, I would need to know all of the details because something was hidden from me. And so now I want to know exactly what happened, when, where, why, how, who, all of the things, because I need to feel like I am privy to all the information above anyone else, right? Like if my partner was cheating on me. I and this is just my my personal preference. So for anyone listening out there, I'm just sharing it to provide context and understanding in case this is you, um, or in case you want to 
see if it resonates at all. But I want to feel like I have power back. Like I don't want my partner and the person they cheated with to know something together that I don't know about because an agreement was broken. And I think, you know, the premise of having a monogamous relationship is that you get this person to yourself for the most part in certain ways and whatever ways you agree upon. And then it just feels very, it can feel like just abandoning or disappointing, heartbreaking, whatever you want to label it as for you when they, you know, broke that agreement that you had and now you you feel like you've lost it. And then some people feel that they don't want to know anything because it would just hurt more. And so the person who has been cheated on has to kind of choose what they want. And not right away. Sometimes they have to sit with it. But then the second part is like, and this could also flip-flop in order. This doesn't have to happen right away. It doesn't have to be that they choose right away, but they need to be heard in their feelings. The person who has been cheated on needs to be understood by the person who's chosen to take these actions. This is not the time. And, and I always say to my followers when I post videos, we're talking productivity here. The reason why the person cheated on you is important and it is valid and that person's feelings are important and what happened to them to cause them to get to this place is important and it does need to be recognized and understood, but not at this moment. So if you're choosing to work on it, you need to hear the person who was cheated on first. And they need to be really fully understood. And I think that that, because I'm going to pause here after this, that's going to be really hard for a lot of people, you know, because I think the person who has committed the infidelity is like, I did this because I was so hurt or I was, you know, you weren't having sex with me or I didn't feel that you loved me or whatever the reasoning is. I didn't feel like I was myself in the relationship anymore, but what differentiates that is that you made a choice. You could feel a certain way without taking an action. So it's the concept of like taking responsibility for yourself. You know, yeah, there's something that led you to making the choice that you did, but the choice is your own responsibility that you hold. This is like a lot to take on. I can just feel the emotion in the room in this hypothetical mm -hmm. therapist room. It feels very disorganized. I think even right now, I think my brain, it's almost like it's just firing right now. Like, okay, what's next? What's next? What, what do we do? Because there's so much. Yeah, there's so much energy. There's so much emotion. There's so much disgust a lot of times. Like the person who has received this infidelity is like, do I, should I even be in this anymore? Like I feel so low. Like I feel like, like I've stooped to another level if I accept my partner back when they've treated me this way almost. And there are a lot of times where I feel like that statement is actually misaligned. And the reason is because they need to be heard in that. 
So I'll say that first. They need to be heard in that. Yes, I hear you, right? And when I first hear the story, it's like, okay, from the partner who has been cheated on. All right, yes. But then at the same time, the partner who has been on the receiving end of the infidelity, um, they usually haven't been completely in the dark. Like they knew that their marriage was failing or they knew that they were struggling. And so, but like I said, they do need to be heard by the other partner. It's definitely, and I know this is so obvious, point blank, but it's definitely easier to work with people who are more self-aware. It's easier to work with clients who are like, yep, I knew, you know, we weren't having sex or I knew we weren't going out on dates anymore or I knew that, you know, my partner had lost themselves. And so obviously when it's, it is hard to work with people who are very stuck on, I just can't even believe this happened. I'm just floored that this happened and I can't believe they would do this to me. And I did nothing to deserve this or I, you know, I, I had no part in this. Like it is a bit hard for me to take that in it's just not you it's not you know it does take two to tango right like it's typically unless you're with someone who is a pathological liar and it definitely happens but you're experiencing a struggle in your relationship and then as a result your partner takes an action which again is still their responsibility but it's usually just not out of the blue out of nowhere so, yeah, I think if you haven't had sex in over a year with your spouse, something is probably wrong. Unless someone's like sick or something, you know, like some extenuating circumstance. But I mean, I would certainly be suspicious at that point because, again, we're all human. We need food, we need water, we need sex. But I think you're still focused on the sex piece. And that's where I want to. I want to focus on not focusing on that as much because life isn't all about sex. And there's so much that leads up. Like I look at sex as that final connection piece, right? Like when partners are really aligned and connected to each other, then sex can happen. But where the damage starts to happen is not just because one partner just simply does not want to have sex. And then the other partner goes out and has sex with someone else. It's like, uh, affairs are way more than that. You know, there's emotional affairs that people have because they're not getting that connection in their relationship and their marriage that they desire. And so as a result, yeah, sex may happen, but it's it's not just simply that, you know, they didn't have sex for a year. It's like, well, yeah, they may not have had sex for a year. Maybe they have sex once a week, but their partner is lifeless and just laying on the bed. Or maybe, you know, they haven't had sex for a year, but they haven't had any special time or they haven't revisited the time they first met. They haven't talked, you know, maybe every time she walks in the door, she doesn't even look him in the eye and he just feels lost and alone. Like there's so much there that could cause this. And also like, I, I also think one of the leading things that I've, that I've heard a lot of times is that cheating is about finding yourself again. So like the way that I feel when I'm with another person or outside of my relationship 
is the way that I want to feel in my daily life, but inside my relationship with my spouse, with my long-term partner, I don't get these feelings anymore in mm-hmm. my, within myself. And so I go out seeking a different version of me somewhere else. Yeah, I, one of my one of my good friends is a is a sex worker. She's a high class escort in New York, and she always says that like eighty to ninety percent of what she does is emotional labor. It's not actually the sexual component. It's taking care of these guys, making them feel loved or appreciated, or uh, giving them a fantasy that they're not having, which could be as simple as, like you said, like you come home and you're your wife doesn't even acknowledge that you're there. I mean, I can personally imagine that would feel very cold and distant. Um, And I could totally relate why someone, or understand, I should say, why someone would seek companionship elsewhere, even if it's through an escort for one night, just to experience the feeling of being wanted, being appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where what I stated before, the person who has committed the infidelity, their experience matters. Their reasons for needing or wanting to go outside of the relationship do matter. When we're looking at what's going to be productive and helpful to the relationship and we're looking at the therapeutic aspects of it, the person who's been cheated on needs to be heard, needs to be understood And once they get to a place where they start to rebuild some of the trust in the other partner is where we can start to talk about the person who actually committed the infidelity, their issues that they were experiencing, whether that's with themselves, whether that's with the partnership. Because it doesn't always have to be with the partnership either. It could just be, I lost myself and it might not have anything to do with their spouse or long-term partner, right? Like it, you know, but- it is our job as a partner to attune to our other partner and say, something's not right here. Like something's going on with you. This is not, it doesn't always have to be that, you know, we're in conflict very often. And that's when I get to recognize when something's going on for you. It could be that you just individually are going through something and I'm recognizing it as a partner because I'm attuning to you on a regular basis. So having the partner who was cheated on be heard and understood, and then rebuilding trust. So, and obviously it's not as short and simple as this, but this is our, this is our podcast episode for today. So that takes quite a while. And a lot of times it takes quite a while for the person who has been cheated on to really accept that yes, I do want to heal. Yes, I do want to go into this and I want to commit to the process. But then what the healing could look like, and this is where I think it can get a little hairy just because it's hard to understand the boundaries and why they maybe need to be the way that they are. But one of the things is like, the person who has cheated has to give access to everything to their other partner. So that means like you're give access. Like if I want to check your phone, like if you've cheated on me, like if I want to check your phone, if I want to look at your computer for a period of time, not forever, but for a period of time to make sure that I'm not being gaslit. Like a lot of infidelity is like there's, you know, the other partner is like, I'm running to the store for bread or like I'm going out for a girl's night or a guy's night or, 
you know, um, I'm staying at work late. Oh, like maybe you have to share your location with your partner for a certain period of time. And I, and that's really, that's really tough for some people, but if you're committing to healing and you're committing to trusting and, or gaining the trust back in your partnership, you do need to be all open because the thing is that that person was vulnerable with you to begin with and didn't have your location and didn't check your phone continuously because they just trusted you. It was just as simple as that. Like, you know, like it just wasn't, you know, in my previous marriage, that wasn't something on my mind ever at all. When he said he had to work late, I was not happy, but I wasn't checking his phone. Like, are you really working? Like, I wasn't even thinking about that at all. So to be able to know, to feel at peace. Now, we don't want this to be a habit or behavior that goes on forever, but for a certain period of time to start to gain that trust of like, yes, they are where they said that they were they were going and they, you know, are saying one thing and it's aligning with what they're actually doing. So there's a period of time, but that could be hard because we, especially with our phones in our world today, that's our private, but yeah, you have to just give up uh, everything and say, yeah, I don't need to be private. Like your social media, like that, your partner has to have access to that. Otherwise you, you just, there, you can't build the trust. So, but also when you're rebuilding trust in your relationship, you're going to be spending more time with your partner. I would imagine too, where you may have lost time before because you were disconnected, because maybe things were falling apart. So you may have been doing more of your own thing previously. Now we're choosing to heal while we're coming back together. And so you may not feel as frantic about, you know, where are they? Maybe they don't not they don't work late for a while. They're like, yeah, I'm going to give up that income because I'm going to be here with you and we're going to spend the hour, two hours that we have after the kids go to bed together trying to work on this, trying to heal this. So, you know, there's that part of it. What are the top three reasons that people cheat in your experience? I think disconnection, like not feeling valued is a huge one not feeling valued or loved in your partnership, like that you don't bring anything, like why be here anyways, right? Like that you're not, um, that you're not worth something really great um, could be one. I think also disconnection with oneself. Like I'm looking for a feeling. I'm looking for some kind of feeling. Like I feel numb. I feel empty. And so wanting to experience a feeling um, feeling alive. Yeah. I think, I think definitely feeling alive. I think honestly, trauma can be one for a lot of people, which, but Mm. I also think that goes with disconnection, like disconnected. You know, I've worked with people who are just very disconnected from their bodies. And so when put in this traditional, space of like, you're going to get married, you're going to have kids, you're going to have a traditional lifestyle. It just doesn't go as planned oftentimes because you think it's going to be that fairy tale, but then your trauma kind of gets in the way of that. And then you don't necessarily know how to deal with the conflict that comes up. And you look for something better, like something that's easier. 
something that's enticing, whereas our partners don't feel very enticing when they're triggering us or when we're getting re-traumatized from something that happens. A, a random person or another relationship isn't necessarily going to do that to us. It's just going to be something light and fun and carefree, and we're just going to be desired and desirable, and it's yeah. just easier. So maybe that's my third reason. You know, it's like it's easier. So there's like a few a handful of things that I've thrown out there that could possibly be, but there's also others that I would love for our listeners to drop in the comments below some reasons why you have cheated or why your partners have committed infidelity too, because I definitely left a bunch out. So if you go through this process of, you know, that the person cheated on uh, expresses their feelings, the person who was doing the cheating explains why it all went down. And then they both agree to repair the cheater shows his phone computer information, just gives it all away. Uh, like how, how often does this work? It really depends on the couple. It really depends on how hard they're willing to work on it. It can take quite a long time. I mean, you may take a few steps forward and a few steps back. You may take one step forward and two steps back a lot of the time as you're trying to rebuild trust. It takes lots of commitment to heal from infidelity. Yeah. But I think, you know, when when we consider what is there to lose here, a lot of times that's what really outweighs just moving on to a new relationship. Like, gosh, like we've talked about here so many times, if we own a house together, if we have children together, like not being together and not being able to do our life as we do, which is, I would jump to say a lot easier than being divorced as someone who is divorced. Just, you know, it's, it's appealing oftentimes to just kind of figure it out. And then, you know, where you go from there is like you have a new version of your relationship, right? You don't just go back to what it was because that that's dead. That can no longer be. What it was led you to where you are right now. So experiencing a new version of your relationship in which maybe you go back to where you were at in the beginning of your relationship, if that honeymoon period was very fruitful and very exciting for you, um, and you really work hard on getting to a place where you were in the beginning, or if the honeymoon period wasn't amazing for you, but you want to create a new version of your relationship that you know could look the same way, which is like connect, like prioritizing your relationship. I think a lot of people just believe that if it's right, it will just work, and that just simply is not the case. Um, it can be right; it's not going to work without continued effort. So setting time aside. You know, some of the things that I can give a few tips here for couples as you come back into reconnection before we end and and then things that you should sustain with each other. The first one is every single week you should have a date night. That could be sitting on a picnic blanket on your living room floor eating takeout Chinese. I don't care. It does not need to be a $100, $200 dinner out. $200 is so expensive. Probably not in California, but 
$100 dinner out, um, $150 dinner out. It doesn't have to be that. It could just be the dessert portion. You could just get ice cream and sit on the couch together and eat ice cream and play my relationship card deck game that I highly suggest playing. Um, but having a date night every single week where you're setting time aside to have fun. So you could go for a drive and look at houses in your neighborhood, or you could drive to a town that's 30 minutes away and just explore. You could go on a walk, which is intentional though. Like, sure, you could bring your dog, but if your entire date is your walk talking about your dog, don't bring your dog. This is time for the two of you. So you're focusing on each other. You could be asking each other questions like if you could choose any career in the world, what would it be? Or like scale of one to 10, how much do you love your current job and what are some of the things that you love about it? Just things that help you to show your partner that you care, ask them intriguing questions about themselves and spark new types of conversation up. That's really the purpose of the date night is to just connect with each other and feel like you are there for your partner, your partner's there for you. So that's the first piece. Also, especially for people who have experienced infidelity or any type of great challenge in their relationship, having at least a weekly check-in on your relationship. So let's go over all the business aspects of our relationship, the finances, the uh, how are we showing up for each other, how do you feel loved by me this week, what could I have done better, how is our sex life going, everything business-wise. Those are two really important things, prioritizing the fun and prioritizing the business of your relationship together. I think if you start to do those two things, you'll see huge improvement in your contentedness level. And you can reboot your relationship. And that's the kind of movie I like. I like that story. <laughs> yeah. I think it's great when people can do that. I think that, you know, there there's a podcast, Glennon Doyle's podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. And I think about this because my sister's in India right now and she was talking to me on the phone crying the other night because, well, it was night for me, day for her, morning, very early. And she said, I want to leave. And it honestly, I don't know why this came up in my head, but I said to myself, wow, like having kids was very, very hard, right? And sometimes I got to the point where I was just like, how could I possibly do this? Like, how could I? And she was like, I can book a flight home. The driver can bring me to the airport. And I said to her, we can do hard things. And infidelity does not have to be the end for you. It could be the beginning. For a lot of people, it is the beginning. It is like, oh my gosh, we get to have a new version of us that we get to create this time. So if you so choose, and I would highly encourage you to try because if you you don't, there's nothing to lose by trying. Try it and commit to it. All right. Thank you. That was great. Yeah. Thanks. 